We're going to look at something this week, something I believe as we study this passage of scripture, it's probably something that all of us have dealt with in our life. Someone in your life is making a decision that you don't like. How many of you, someone, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but in your heart, someone in your life, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a child, a friend, a coworker, somebody in your life is making a decision that you don't necessarily like, and it's for good reason. Now, I'm not talking about a sinful decision that they're, they're choosing to sin. I'm talking about just a decision that they believe is a right decision. They believe they're making a good decision, and you just don't see it. You see it as the harm that could come. And it's not a selfish, it's not anything selfish. You're not thinking this way because it's going to affect you in a negative way. You truly care about the decision they're making because you believe that it's not a decision that's best for them. Maybe you're on the other side of that. Maybe you've made decisions in your life and it's caused you some issues with people that you love dearly because they are against that decision. They don't believe that the decision that you made is a great decision. Back in 2003, we were living in Philadelphia, and my wife and I were serving there in in the church, and I was a youth pastor there, and I got a phone call from a pastor of a church in Cincinnati, outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, and he said, I'm looking to hire someone. Are you interested? And I wasn't looking. I I really wasn't interested. We were happy where we were at. Jacob, I believe, was maybe not quite three at that time phone call. I think either Michelle had just had Kaylee or uh, Kaylee was just a month old or so, but just really young. So I had just two young children. And to be honest with you, we weren't looking. I wasn't interested. We were happy where we were. And so through prayer, we went and interviewed for this position and and, um, uh, really struggled in that decision. But after prayer, taking some time to really pray and seek the Lord, we came to the conclusion, the realization, this is what God has for our life. Now, maybe you can identify with this if you're a grandparent. We lived in the same town my in-laws lived in. And my in-laws, my father-in-law was a deacon at a church. He my, uh, served in the church. I think he was leading music in the church at that time. My mother-in-law was faithful to, to her husband. She was uh, teaching uh, a Sunday school class in the church. If you looked at their life, you would say they are, they are serving the Lord. They're great people. Love them dearly. If you would look at us, we just simply wanted to serve the Lord. But a division came because... At that time, my in-laws just couldn't see taking their family and moving to the Midwest to serve the Lord. Why would we have to go to the Midwest to serve the Lord when we could just serve the Lord right here in Philadelphia? And a division came. I'm not saying that to say that my in-laws were wrong, but what they saw was different than what Michelle and I were praying about and feeling that's what the Lord had for our life. And so I use that illustration as for me, there has been times that we've made decisions that others have not agreed with good people. There's also been times that I've looked at somebody else's decision and said, I don't see it. I don't think it's a good idea. But this is something that we have to consider and remember when God is working in the life of someone doesn't always have to show you what he's doing in their life. 
But how do we respond? Because relationships are important to us. Relationships are vital. We just preached three weeks on relationships. You know what I'm afraid? What happens is when those events come in our life, if we don't handle them correctly, divisions can come in. And there can be divisions within families. There can be divisions within friends. And that's not what God desires. Satan loves to divide, but Christ always reconciles. And so look with me as we think about that. Look with me in Acts chapter 21. And it came to pass in verse number one that after we were gotten from them and had launched, we came with a straight course unto coast in the day following unto Rhodes and from thence unto Patera. And finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. Now, when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed in Tyra. For there the ship was to unlaid her burden. And just a lot of just information there. Paul is getting ready to leave where he's been ministering in Ephesus. And he's really, those first couple verses just simply tell us his boat ride back through the Mediterranean Sea. He's coming to Jerusalem. We've studied this, and, and we didn't really make a whole lot of mention of it because we were looking at relationships, but in these last couple chapters, Paul has been desiring to get back to Jerusalem. There's a, the Pentecost is taking place, and Paul has this desire to get back to Jerusalem, and for what reason? To preach the gospel there, just like he's done in every other situation. And Paul wants to get here, and Paul is in a a. a a crunch, time crunch to get there. Every other place that Paul's at, Paul stays at Ephesus for months or years and through his missionary journey, he's coming down to this second missionary journey down to the end and he has a strong desire to get back very quick as possible there to Jerusalem. Now, in verse number four, in finding disciples, they, so they come to the coast, they, they land there on the coast of Tyre, which is just north of Caesarea, which is, is not far from Jerusalem. And so what they will do is they'll land there, they may take a boat or, uh, or so down to Caesarea, and then they'll, they'll by, by uh, land, travel into Jerusalem. And uh, uh, that's their goal. And they, when they come to this place, they find disciples. We tarried there seven days who said to Paul, look what they say to Paul, through the spirit that he should not go to Jerusalem. Now, Paul has this strong desire to go. He's going to do everything he can to get there. These disciples... Now, I want you to see something here. These were his friends. These were disciples. These were believers. They have this strong desire. And the Bible says even here through the Spirit to say to Paul, don't go here to Jerusalem. And when he had uh, accomplished those days, we departed and went our way. And they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city. And we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. And when we had taken our leave, one of another, we took ship and they returned home again. And we'll find their travel. Skip a few verses just for sake of time. In verse number eight, you find where they come into Caesarea and um, they meet this, they meet Philip. Philip is the evangelist they meet. He's one of the seven uh, 
that uh, we've seen here in the beginning with, with uh, these men that were ordained. And verse number nine, and the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And we tarried there many days. There came a certain, uh, uh, down from Judea, a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he had come unto us, he took Paul's girdle, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. In verse number 12, And when we heard these things, both we and they at that place did what? Besought him not to go to Jerusalem. Just a matter of week or so apart, two different groups of people come to Paul. These were disciples, a, a, a prophet here. These that are right with the Lord. Those are serving the Lord. Good people, friends, followers of Christ. They come to Paul and they say to Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. And, and this one says to Paul, uh, Agabus, if you go, and he, and he took Paul's girdle and he bound himself and he says, the, the one that owns this girdle, well, Paul owns the girdle. It belongs to Paul, so we know who he's talking about. He says, the one that owns this girdle, this is what's going to happen. If you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound in Jerusalem. And, and uh, 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 Paul gets this warning a second time not to go to Jerusalem. But I want you to see something here, and, and, and please stay with me here. I'm, I'm, I'm long introduction because I don't want you to miss this. And I don't want you to miss this because I believe this happens in so many people's lives. And because we don't deal with this correctly, we cause divisions or we allow heartache to come in or we allow hurt to come in and it affects us. And, and instead of us being united and serving Christ and, and letting him work, we allow our opinions and our feelings to, to, to drive us and motivate us. So please, please, please don't miss this. Because Paul's been warned twice. But Paul still goes. And Paul doesn't heed these two warnings from these two groups of people that love Paul, that care about Paul, that love Christ, that cares about Christ. They're doing this because they fear that if Paul goes, there's going to be problems for Paul. And this was Paul's response. The, Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? He says, what are you, why are you doing this? This shows you something here. Paul's not obstinate in saying, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Paul's acknowledging that you're weeping and it's breaking my heart. Why? Because Paul cares about them as well. Paul's not going to Jerusalem because he wants to offend his brothers and sisters in Christ. He's not going there so that he can show that he's in charge and I'm going to do whatever I want to do. This decision, because uh, Paul knows how much they care about him, it's breaking Paul's heart as well, and he acknowledges that. He says this, For I'm ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when we heard, when he would uh, not be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. Following God's will for your life will not always be understood by others. 
Today, if you're a child of God, God has a, a plan for your life. God has a will. And it always doesn't match what someone else that loves you greatly has planned for your life. I have said this to my, my son. I said, wouldn't it be great if you just surrendered to the ministry and just, just worked in the ministry the rest of your life? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? I think it'd be a great thing. But it's not what God has planned for his life. That's what I have planned. I mean, since he was born. I just thought it'd be a wonderful thing, serving serve the ministry with your son full time. And, and I thought for the longest time, that's maybe what he was doing. But you know what? I realized he was doing that because that's what I wanted him to do. But when he came to me and he said, Dad, you know, I believe this is what God wants me to do. It wasn't that he was forsaking God and wanting to do his own thing. What he was doing was following what God wants him to do. And I can either say as a parent, yes, I'm going to acknowledge God working your life, or I can say, you know what? I don't like it. And I want you to do what I want you to do. Maybe there's an illustration that you have, and maybe today you need to acknowledge that God does have a plan for your life, and also acknowledge that God has a plan for those that you love for their life as well. Every parent has to come to a conclusion this, that if your children are walking with God that, and they're following the Lord, and that's what we truly desire, that they may end up doing something or living someplace or going to a place that may not be where you want it to be. God, God might call one of your children to the deepest, darkest, remote part of Africa to be a missionary. And every grandmother would say, don't take my grandbabies all the way over there. God says, but that's my plan. Maybe every child has to understand that God has a plan. I remember when we moved here, my kids weren't all for it. They were, matter of fact, I won't mention Jacob's name, but he was against it. We had just moved a couple years previous to Georgia and, and, you know, starting high school. And I'm going to start all over, Dad. Why? Because what he had to understand was God was working in the life of his parents. But it isn't always what you want it to be. Following God's will for your life is not always understood by others. All of us in following the Lord will have decisions to make that human reasoning is not going to reveal the answers. Look, let's look at the pros and the cons of all this. You know what? It might all look bad. Paul, you're going to go to Jerusalem and you're going to be bound and you're going to be beat and, and you, even, you may even die. It doesn't look good, Paul. And Paul says, I know I'm going wait a minute, it doesn't make sense. 
Paul, don't you want to continue to serve the Lord and continue to see people say, Paul, isn't there another missionary journey that you can go? Paul, you've given your life. We know Christ and we've been baptized and now we're serving the Lord because of your influence. Don't you want even more of that? And yes, I'm sure that Paul would have desired all of that. But what Paul has to desire more than anything else is what does the spirit of God desire for him to do? And hear me, when decisions have to be made and someone is following the spirit of God, even if it's not a decision, our human reasoning says that is the right way to go. We must understand following God's will is always the best way. Paul has it in his heart to return to Jerusalem before Pentecost and nothing, nothing is going to get in his way accomplishing that goal. And Paul is aware of what this means. He says in verse number 20, look again with me. He says in verse 20 of uh, uh, Acts 21. I'm sorry, verse 25 of Acts 20. I'm sorry, look with there with me. Chapter 20, verse number 25. And now behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Paul understands that I'm going to come to this place and I'm probably not going to see you again. Paul acknowledges in verse number uh, um, 13, but also to die at Jerusalem by the name, uh, uh, for the name of the Lord Jesus. He understands this is going to be what probably comes from this decision. And I want to give you just a few things today. The problem, first of all, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, the problem. There's a problem I see here. The problem is this. Others in life don't like all of our decisions. And others in Paul's life don't like the decisions he's making. And there's a problem here. I already showed you this. In verse number four, there's a group of people that say, Paul, we don't want you to go. In, in uh, uh, verse 11 and 12, they say, Paul, we don't want you to go. Two different groups of people. I mean, how many people need to tell you, Paul, this isn't a good idea before you listen? For many, this is where divisions come. This is for many where separation comes. A, a line is drawn in the sand. You can't go. I don't believe this is right. And if you do, then trouble comes. Relationships are broken. Feelings are hurt. Hearts are broken. People evaluate these decisions and think, I don't believe this is the best decision. And they're making that decision because they're looking what's best for you from their perspective. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been on either side of that? Making decisions or you're the one disagreeing with the decision that others are making? I think if we're honest, we'd all have to agree we've been there. We've been on each side. Maybe we've been on both sides of it. Where a person is following the Lord, they're following the Lord's direction. It may not always be clear to everyone around them like it is to the one that he's directing. I can say a couple times in my life when I've had to make a decision that others maybe not have agreed, what I've sought is, Lord, is this what you desire? And when I realize and come to the place, this is what God desires, 
there's really only one choice to go. So we see a problem. But I want you to see, I don't want to dwell on the problem here today. I want you to see the reaction that we find here in Acts chapter 21. Because I believe this is the reaction that we ought to take. This is the scriptural reaction. Whether you are the one that is making a decision that others disagree with, or you are the one disagreeing with decisions that are being made by those that you love. Now, let me, again, let me preface this. I'm not talking about a sinful decision. I'm not talking about someone that says, I'm going to do what I want to do and live my life. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, a prodigal son type decision. I'm not talking about someone that is choosing to make a sinful decision and, and I'm going to do this because this is what I want to do. That's not what I'm talking about today. Please don't misunderstand that. What I'm talking about today is people, two people that love the Lord, that are serving the Lord, that want what's right, and one believes God is leading a certain way and others say, I just don't see that because of the consequences that could come to that decision. The reaction, I want you to see that here in verse number four. They voiced their concern. In verse number four, the Bible says this, in finding disciples, we tarried there seven days who said to Paul, said to Paul through the spirit that he should not go to Jerusalem. I want you to see something. The right way to respond was this. They voiced their concern. You see, so often when we get into conflicts with other people, when we get into divisions or potential heartache with other people, if we're not careful, we clam up. If we're not careful, we keep things to ourselves and it stews inside of us and we create scenarios in our own heart, in our own mind that begin to complicate the issue even further. I want you to understand here, Luke is writing the book of Acts. Luke is the physician that is traveling with Paul, and there's others in Paul's party. I want you to see here, they didn't take Luke and the party with Luke that was traveling with Paul separately and say, now listen to me, I don't want to tell Paul how I feel, but I want you to know. They didn't get other people involved and leave Paul out. Their concern with the decision was with Paul. And what did they do? They went to Paul and they let Paul know what their concern was. I remember when I was in eighth grade or ninth grade, I, you, you know this, if you've been here any length of time, my dad would plant churches and so we would move and the older I got, the more frustrating that became to me. You just get to know friends and, you, and then you gotta move. When I was young, it was somewhat easy, but as the older I got, the more frustrating it got. And I remember, I remember we moved from uh, Philadelphia over to New Jersey and, and uh, uh, yeah, helping uh, start a church and a school over there. And, and uh, it, it was only across the river, but when you're young and, and uh, I, I know for some of you, you can't believe this, but we didn't have cell phones and, and, and uh, ways to communicate. I mean, you had to actually use the phone that was on the wall. Remember those? How many of you remember those, you know? How many of you remember the, when you turned the dial? Remember those? How many of you remember before phones? Remember when there was just a cup and a string and somebody? <laughs> I remember moving, and I, I did not talk to my dad. I, and I don't say this, I don't say this at all right now. I say this really with shame. I was mad at my dad and I, I didn't talk to my dad for three months. 
on purpose. I wanted him to know that I was ignoring him. I wanted him to know because, you know, I was probably 14 at the time. I knew everything. How many of you know, remember those days? Like I knew it all. I knew what was right and wrong. And I remember wanting my dad to feel my pain. So I ignored him. He'd come to me and say, what's going on? Nothing, dad. And just walk away. He knew what it was. And for three months, I'd ignore him because I didn't like the decision that he was making. I regret that now. But if we're not careful, that's how we deal with people. We'll ignore it. We'll hold it in. We'll tell others about the problems. But here we find this. The reaction, when Paul was making a decision, the reaction was this. They voiced their concern. Look with me in verse number five. The Bible says this. And when he had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way. And they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city. And we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. I want you to see this. Number one, the reactions, they, they voiced concern. Secondly, I want you to see this. They, stay unif- they stayed unified. They did not let their disagreement in what Paul was going to do cause them to be divided. They stayed unified. They brought, they brought the, uh, us on their way, the Bible says. And, and that means this, they went with us. And look what they did there. The Bible says this, and I don't think this is, this is there by accident. And they brought us on our way with wives and children. They didn't allow others to be divided over their disagreement with Paul either. I just won't let you see the grandkids if you make that decision. We're just going to have to draw the line and we're just going to have to separate and you're not going to be allowed to see people you love if you make that decision. That's not what they did. They stayed unified. In verse number 14, the second group of people, the same thing happens. This Agabus comes and, and uh, Philip is there and these daughters are there and, and, and they're in unison and they're saying, this isn't what God has and, and the one that owns this is going to be tied up. And, and Paul says this, I'm going to go. Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart, for I am ready to be not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying this, the will of the Lord be done. There was unity there. There comes a time to stand against someone's sin. But not every, not every opposition or every opposing decision or not every decision that you don't like is worth dividing over. You say, what are you trying to get at? There's a difference. I want you to see in verse number four, go back to verse number four. The Bible says this, and through the spirit. Now, every commentary, that, that stuck with me there. And I'll be honest with you, I spent a lot of time this week studying that verse out because as I'm studying, I'm thinking to myself, did Paul make a mistake? 
should he have listened to this group? And I looked at every, every commentary. I studied this through. And every place I studied this through, the opinion was very unified in this. <clears throat> that, that they knew the harm that would come. They, they cared about Paul. And, and with the, the right intent and with the right spirit, they urged him to stay. This just shows you that they, they were right with the Lord. They, were, they knew what was going to come. Their reasoning for Paul not going wasn't selfish reasoning. It wasn't self-motivated. It was truly a spirit of, I love you, Paul, and, and we are excited about the work of the Lord that you're doing. And they came with the right spirit to try to get him to see something that maybe they thought he didn't see with good intent. Look with me again in verse number 10 and 11 and 12. And stay with me on this, please. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judah a certain prophet. Again, this prophet Agabus and, and girded himself up with Paul's girdle. And, uh, and, and look, with, look at verse number 12. And when we, heard, when, when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go to Jerusalem. This was a prophet. This was someone, again, the prophesying, saying this is what's going to happen. Sometimes God is doing a work in the life of an individual that from the human perspective, it looks bad. But human reasoning doesn't always give us clear direction when God is at work. I want you to see something, the reaction here. So we see them coming to Paul. The reaction is, please, Paul, we're coming to you. We're, we're pleading with you. We're staying unified with you. And then I want you to see in verse number 14 as well as we read, uh, and when, they, when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying this, the will of the Lord be done. You know what that means? They stopped arguing it and they said, okay, Paul, the will of the Lord be done. And don't miss this. They allow Paul to exercise liberty under the spirit of God's direction. You know what they understood? If Paul is going to follow the Lord's will, although it's something we don't like, although it's going to take him to a place that we don't agree with, although we're going to see harm done, although we know the consequences, what, what we believe in our own human thoughts are going to happen. Paul, if you are serving the Lord, you have the right to exercise that liberty. They encouraged Paul to do the will of the Lord. Oh, wouldn't that be a wonderful attitude that we would have if someone is, is, is following the Lord and, and we encourage them to follow the Lord? I, I might not like a decision that my son will make, maybe in a career decision, but you know what I have to come to realize? It's not about what I like. He doesn't belong to me. The Lord let him be a part of my family and, and, and allowed my wife and I to be parents to him and, and allowed to raise him up. And my responsibility was to raise him up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and, and to seek the Lord and to know the Lord. And when the Lord begins to speak to him, I've got to realize that he then has to exercise that liberty to walk in the spirit of the Lord and to walk with God. The greatest joy that I ought to have as a parent is to know that my my children are walking with the Lord. The greatest thing you ought to know are those that you love are walking in the Lord with him. 
Oh, would God that we would all see God's plan for our life and desire to do it. They still don't like it. But they allow Paul to follow the Lord. And this is important without separating from him. They didn't draw a line in the sand and say, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, we can't be with you. Look with me. You say, where do you see that? Look with me in verse number 15. And after those days, we took up our carriages and went up to Jerusalem. You don't find it saying, well, Paul left by himself. Paul, if you want to do it, that's fine. We're done with you. No, what you find is they stayed faithful to each other. The Bible, that one word, two-letter word, we, we took up carriages. We went together to Jerusalem. You know what that means? Paul, we might not like what you're doing, but we trust that you're following the Lord. And if you're following the Lord, we're with you. If you're following the Lord, we're next to you. Because they understand that God could be speaking and leading the life of someone else and you don't have to know all the details. Just trust the fact that they're following God's will. And oh, listen to me, the last thing you want to do, listen to me, parent or grandparent or child, the last thing you want to do is separate or cause division with someone that's following the Lord. They stayed faithful to each other. Paul, I want you to see something here. Paul didn't send them away because they disagreed with him either. Paul didn't separate. It goes both ways. Paul didn't say, you know what? If you don't want, if you don't like it, then you could go your way. And this is the response to the reaction. We see both sides. We see one side that didn't agree with the decision. Say, okay, Paul, we don't like the decision. We don't want you to do this, but we're not going to separate from you because we believe you're following the Lord. If this is the Lord's will, we're with you. And you find Paul the same way. Paul doesn't say, you know what? If you disagree with what I'm doing, you need to leave. You need to go. You can stay wherever you want, stay in this city, go back to Ephesus, wherever you want to go, you can go. But as long as it's not with me, neither side caused division. Don't miss that, please. He didn't come to church today in the rain to just leave. Listen to me, don't miss this because it's so vitally important. I'm afraid we miss out on what God is doing at times because others don't understand what God is doing in our own lives. So we separate from them or we, we, we can't see what God is doing in someone else's life. So they separate from us and Satan loves to divide. But Jesus always reconciles. When two people that love the Lord and are following the Lord disagree on something reconciliation is what ought to be after not division i'm afraid in society we're in today i've said this before in talking about relationships we live in a disposable society if something doesn't work or something doesn't work the way i want it to work we can just easily disregard it and get something else if it's a product you know and that's one of the worst things about credit cards i don't even have to have the money to do it buy now pay later some people are getting new furniture and new appliances while they're still playing for the old stuff. Just get rid of it. I can get something new. Oh, 
That's not how it ought to be with God's people. You know what I find here in this passage of scripture? They learned to give grace. They allowed for liberty. They sought unity. They said this, let the will of the Lord be done. And I'm done with this. We find thirdly the solution. What's the solution? Write this down, please. Make it about Christ. Make it about Christ. Don't make it personal. You see, if you'll make it about Christ and not make it personal, you won't let your feelings get in the way. Now, the initial, I can't believe you're doing this. Do you know what could happen? That's always going to be there. We're humans. But we filter it through Christ. Look with me in verse number five. You say, where do you see that? Verse number five. And when we had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way. And they all that brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city. And look what happened. We kneeled down on the shore and prayed. We made it about Christ. Look with me in verse number 12. I'm sorry, for verse 13. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break my heart? What's he saying there? What, what, why make it personal? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem, Jerusalem for what? For the name of the Lord Jesus. To die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And this is what the solution was. Look with me again in verse 14. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, or we stopped arguing, and we said this, the will of the Lord be done. The solution was make it about Christ. It's not about what I feel. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I desire. It's about what he does. We're all going to be faced with decisions that hurt. You see, because of relationships, we care about what other decisions are made in other people's lives. But how do we overcome that so it doesn't divide? How do we overcome that so it doesn't bring a division in our life and angst in our life and anxiety in our life and, 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 and we no longer talk to people we love? How do we keep that from happening? Make sure you make it about Christ. Paul, I don't want you to go. I think that if you go, you're going to be bound you're probably going to give your life for this. And Paul says, I'm going because this is what I believe God desires. And they said, okay, we're going with you. you See what happens? You got to come next week or read your Bibles. It's in there. Father, help us. Help us to see the importance of relationships that you've put in our life. Help us to understand that we always are not going to agree. Agreeing isn't what we're after. It's following your will. And two people can disagree.
Lord, if we let emotions in our heart get in the way of following Christ, Satan gets a victory. And Lord, I pray that each one of us would want Christ to have victory in our hearts, in our lives. May his will, as they said here in this verse, may the will of the Lord be done. And that's what we're asking to be done in our lives. So Lord, there's two groups of people I see. One that may be hurting about decisions others are making. And Lord, they need to get that right today. They need to respond in such a way where they accept you working. And maybe, Lord, they need to go to that person and say, I, I care, I love you. I'm only upset because of my care and love. But I see the will of God is more important than my heart right now. Or Lord, maybe it's the one that's making the decision. It's easy when people disagree to just push them away. It's easy to go it alone. But Paul took the time to respond. He took the time to give them compassion. He took the time to respond to them lovingly. He took the time to point them to Christ and kneel with them and pray. And so Lord, wherever we are, may we respond correctly when decisions have to be made and we're not, we're not sure what's right, may we be yielded to your spirit. Reveal it to us. Maybe we be right with you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. As we continue with our invitation this morning, we've been challenged to reconcile those relationships in our life. And maybe over a simple disagreement, we've chosen not to follow Christ, but to follow our own will. So this morning, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you just pray and ask God to bring to mind those people whose relationships that you need to reconcile? Scripture teaches us that if there is a brother that has something against us, we're supposed to go to them. Maybe this morning it's not something that you have done to somebody, but somebody has done something towards you. But this morning we are challenged to reconcile that. Would you take a minute and just pray and ask for wisdom to be able to go to that person, the courage to go to that person and reconcile that relationship? This morning, maybe... There is one relationship that needs to be reconciled first, and that is your relationship to Jesus Christ. This morning you may have heard that Jesus Christ came to reconcile us to him. When Jesus came and died on the cross, he died to pay the penalty for us so that we would not have to pay that penalty so that we could be reconciled to, Jesus, to, to God through Jesus Christ. And this morning, if you would like to begin that relationship with Jesus Christ, it's as easy as this. It's as easy as saying this prayer, and it's not this prayer that saves you. It is the belief in your heart that Jesus Christ came to this earth, 
He died on the cross. He shed his blood for your sin and he rose from the grave three days later. And he did that for you. And if you believe that this morning, if you're watching online and you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you would just repeat this prayer again, it's not the prayer. It is the belief behind the prayer. And you would say, God, today I realize that I need a relationship with you. I understand that my sin is what separates me from you. And now I know that Jesus paid my penalty so that I can spend eternity with you. So today I repent of my sin and I accept the gift of salvation that Jesus provided for me through his death on the cross. I thank you that Jesus died on the cross for me and paid the price that I could never pay. In Jesus' name, amen. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, is there anybody this morning that you would say, Pastor Chris, this morning that's me. I've never received Jesus Christ as my Savior. But you just slip your hand up, letting me know I'm, I'm the only one looking around, but you would say, that's me, and this morning I received Jesus as my Savior. Would you just slip your hand up? Thank you. Father, we are grateful for this message this morning and the encouragement and challenge it has been to our heart. Lord, our world needs to see people who will point people to God. For you are the only one that has the answers. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to seek out those people whom we have to reconcile with this week and yield ourselves totally to you that we may receive that relationship restored. Father, we ask that you'll guide and direct us this week as we go from this place. Use this message to encourage and challenge us. In your son's name we pray, amen. Thank you. Have a blessed week.